to the heavy hole. My name is Tom. Jean Dobri. My name is Big Will, aka Uncle. But where's Justin today? Nothing. I don't know. I, I have no answers other than not applicable. Yeah. Uh, well, listen. I got all the logistics. I'm over here with the calculator and the map and the the spinning globe. Uh, we're doing a crazy international episode today. We'll get to that. Um, it's off hours. We're still drinking. Don't worry. It's not nighttime, but we're mm. coordinating this international thing. Justin couldn't make it. Um, shout to Jay Wall. Not going to bust his balls too hard today. Uh, but you know what? I am going to bust, Tom. You're looking to bust me for my alcoholism. I, I was looking you? for you to say, what are you going to bust? Oh, yeah. What uh, are you busting? <laughs> but I'm going to bust down this shot of uh, Roe & Co. Irish whiskey from Dublin. Um, you got this bottle down here calling my name. I'll do one with yeah. you. Why not? Yeah, non-chill filtered, all right? So this might get a little crazy. We're not going to be chilling off this shit, apparently. I don't know what that means. No. Nope. Yeah, no chill, no filter. That's how That's how I get when I drink my my uh, my scotch whiskey. Listen, um, we're doing this one for Justin, who's not here right now. Normally don't even drink when... Yeah, cheers. Cheers. There you go. Bing bong. <laughs> oh, that's a flavor. Okay. Ah. Because this is International Day here at the Heavy Hole Podcast. I'm going to ask you, Tom, how was your weekend first before I get into my spiel? Okay. Uh, well, thank you for asking. My sister's wedding was this weekend. Whoa. Was it international? It was uh, as local as local news gets. I knew that. That's why I asked. Yeah, man. We had all the tents set up. Beautiful ceremony in the backyard. My parents' house. You went camping? for. They're the big tents where you can set up a uh, Oh, like the, beds, the overhang know? for a part. I thought like you guys were in the back like cooking marshmallows and camping out. We did invite people. If they got too drunk, they could uh, bring a camper and set up on the side of the house. I Like a festival. I Don't don't get comfortable with that. That might be my new apartment if I if you, if you let that rule be applicable. Dude, you can park out right here at yeah. this window. And in that can, can of spam on your window. I'll, right? I'll, yeah. <laughs> All right. Morning spam. Yeah, so I'm a professional drinker now as I am after every wedding. Uh, human jerky. Dried out, huh. uh, having a great time, uh, alive somehow, because that's what happens. You have a, an Irish-themed wedding, and by that oh, I mean boy. just a bunch of Irish people there. Was Keith Harris of Afterbirth here? He wasn't allowed in. We were doing COVID <laughs> tests. <laughs> oh, He got something, I don't know. Yeah, that's why there's like a, a quarter of a bottle of whiskey left. He got in somehow. Yeah, I, I let the uh, the groom, my, my new brother-in-law, Connor, and his, his buddies hang out down here. And uh, I left him a bunch of liquor and beers. And the I'm, name is Connor. Connor. All right, so this is this is an Irish themed wedding. All yes, right, I got this you. is this is uh, as as drinking as you get. And yeah, yeah. that whiskey right there, the Rowan Co, uh, was a recommendation from Connor's father, because he and I will chat about Irish whiskeys. Yeah, not not Scotch whiskey. No, I do have Irish a Scotch whiskey, for yeah. if you want to break it up the flavor. No, no, no. I, I, this is way. More, I, I was looking at that. I, I misnomered this uh, whiskey before by saying Scotch whiskey. Uh, my apologies to all of our. Uh, fine um, connoisseurs that listen. Shout out to Tom Ander. Yeah, Tom Ander is cringing right now as I as I misname uh, fine alcohol bottles. Uh, that's great though, and uh, congratulations to your sister and her husband and your family. Thanks. Um, so and, much. Yeah, I'll congratulate anybody if I get a little uh, whiskey out of it. Whoa. Hey. Uh, How was your weekend, man? It was good. It was a nice weekend. Um, R.I.P. to Cabanos Deli in Copeg. Uh, the Polish deli of choice I usually would go to through the years. Uh, they closed down. I noticed there's a new pork store of Polish origin opening up in the same building. Copeg, uh, kind of like the Polish stronghold of, um, of Long Island in, the, in that area. I went to the Euro Deli right there. Um, fantastic. Uh, Polish women 
that resemble my older aunts on my father's side of the family. Um, Beautiful. Saying things in Polish about me that I don't even know while they prepare my food. It was great. Uh, beautiful food. I got a little arrangement for my father and I for the week. We got the cooked coleslaw, the cold coleslaw, uh, the, the, the sauerkraut, the, the potato dumplings. It was all there. It was great. It was, a, it was an international feast for... Um, uh, for a fair exchange rate, I would say, for a fair amount of money uh, I paid, uh, came back uh, to the crib and did a little research about our guest, who is also international. That's right, we got the Irish whiskey, uh, we got the Polish food, but today we got the Turkish guest, uh, Batu Chetan. Please, uh, my pronunciation, I'm from Long Island, Batu, I apologize, but we're going to have him on the whole. Uh, and he's going to talk about Cenotaph, Molested Divinity, uh, and all of his projects through the years, and the Turkish death metal scene. Very excited. Get him on the international horn. Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast here, as always with Tom. Uh, Justin not available today because we're doing an international interview uh, all the way to the country of Turkey with Batu Chetin. If I said that right, uh, please forgive me if I mispronounce it. How are you, sir? Hello, how are you? Thank you. I am fine. Uh, I am Batu from Senatap, Turkey. Nice to be here right now with you guys. Yeah, man. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's it's an honor. Um, and uh, Batu, you know, a lot of our uh, listeners um, are excited about this one. We have a few questions that our listeners uh, submitted, and we have a lot of questions. So uh, we're just going to start off to be respectful of your time um, uh, right at the beginning, as we always do. And uh, you know, we know that uh, your brother, if I pronounce his name right, uh, Basar. Uh, has Bashar. Been, Bashar has been involved in some of your music and his own music since the 90s. And I always ask the guests, do you come from a musical family? So besides your brother, are there other musicians in your family? And do you come from a family that's friendly to rock and metal music? Uh, actually, uh, no one in my family is musician. Uh, my father is working for Workforce State. He is now in retirement. Uh, my brother and I only interest about music, uh, metal music, rock music. Then I uh, teached him when he was teenage. I gave him some uh, tapes, cassettes from Slayer, uh, Metallica, and then he also started like me. So that's the story. Okay, and um, you know, I, I've I've said before on on the show. I'm not the most well-educated person. Uh, you know, I don't necessarily know a lot about Turkey. Could you just describe to us a little bit about growing up in Turkey in the 80s and being a fan of rock music and heavy metal music? Was it available? Uh, in the 80s, uh, it was, uh, of course, difficult to find this kind of stuff. So I started to listen this kind of music when I was 12 years old first. Uh, we had a national TV channel in Turkey. There were at those times only a few channels, and it's a national 
television channel and once a week they are showing uh, rock and uh, metal videos at this uh, television like uh, Headbangers Ball, MTV Headbangers Ball, something like this, but it's the local uh, TV show. I uh, discovered and heard some uh, strange bands, uh, strange music there and then uh, when I was at uh, school shopping with my mom, when I was uh, 11, 12, uh, I saw at any store uh, strange tapes, uh, cool artworks on it, like I uh, first bought uh, Death Leopards, then I bought Iron Maiden, The Number of the Beast, then uh, I discovered uh, Slayer and uh, Metallica side stuffs, then uh, uh, every day I was uh, curious about this kind of music and trying to find more. Of course, it's the 80s, 90s was difficult because Turkey was not like uh, Europe or USA. It was uh, not easy to find such villages uh, in Turkey. Uh, for example, in summer vacation, some of our, some of our friends uh, flying to Europe or US, uh, they are bringing some tapes and CDs and then we are dubbing those stuff to each other like this. Uh, I discover a lot of bands. Okay, and you mentioned uh, making making copies of tapes with your friends. Was there a tape trading network uh, through the mail, like we hear about so much um, in in Western countries in Turkey at that point? Uh, tape trading times. Uh, I started when I uh, uh, first uh, joined the underground scene. I mean, uh, it's 1992, 1993. Uh, we were just tape trading uh, between our friends, tape or uh, CDs or vinyls. Uh, but later, uh, underground bands are doing uh, promotional flyers on those flyers, you know, or for example, band release, uh, release a demo tape or uh, album. Uh, you are spreading your flyers around the world and they are sending their uh, CDs, tapes, demos to you with postage. I started uh, tape trading in uh, 1993, I think, when I first formed uh, Cenotaph. Okay, yeah, and we have a lot of questions about Cenotaph. One more question, though, just about um, uh, in Turkey, uh, especially in the 80s and, and, and 90s when you were growing up, was there any issues with censorship of the particularly extreme bands that dealt with, like, satanic and blasphemous themes or gore themes? Uh, at those times, uh, uh, government was not uh, uh, hardcore like right now. Uh, they don't care about this kind of stuff much. Uh, they don't uh, give attention. Uh, just uh, from uh, society, when you are a long-haired guy, they are looking to you like you are a weirdo, or uh, what are you, girl, or a homo, or something like this, you know. Uh, but uh, nowadays, of course, uh, the government uh, here uh, checking if your album is about uh, Satanism or this kind of uh, evil things. But they don't care about, uh, uh, you know, gore or brutal death metal album artworks or lyrics. They don't care much. So I had no issues back in the days about these kind of things. Okay. 
Um, and, and you mentioned uh, around 93, um, uh, starting Cenotaph. Uh, that's, I mean, that's like right at what, you know, what we think back to the early 90s, like the death metal explosion. Death metal was huge in the early 90s. Um, yeah. could, you, could you give us a little bit of information about, what, was there a big Turkish death metal scene, or did you feel kind of alone? Uh, when I was at my first uh, gig show, one, one of my friends took me. He was also in any local band called Scalpel. He was drummer, he invited me to their uh, local gig and I saw their few uh, dead trash bands, uh, one uh, black death band, uh, one grindcore band. Then I was uh, really happy to see such people also exist in uh, Turkey and uh, they are having fun at gigs, playing brutal, headbanging, stage diving. First kick was this 1993. Uh, so uh, at those times uh, we had uh, some bands uh, just release uh, demos. Uh, there was one band uh, from Istanbul playing. Uh, their name is Death Room. Uh, they they were playing uh, Death Grind, something like uh, old pungent stench style. Uh, it influenced me a bit, but there were no actual uh, brutal, brutal death metal uh, in our scene. So uh, I was listening to bands like uh, Cannibal Corpse or Suffocation at those times, these sites, and I wanted to form a band in, uh, in those veins. So I, I formed Cenotaph. I think we are the first uh, brutal, brutal death metal band in Turkey. Yeah, and um, uh, you come out with the um, Life Immortal demo in 1995 uh, and follow that up with Voluptuously Minced in 1996, which has gone on to be kind of like a classic uh, in the brutal death metal scene. Now, you mentioned Cannibal Corpse, Suffocation, Deicide, um, but, I mean, even in, in, in 1996 when Voluptuously Minced comes out, you're kind of ahead of the, the curve with the brutal death metal scene because we've talked a lot how in the late 90s you have like United Guttural Records uh, and and, and this, the, the guttural vocals come out and it's a big deal. But in 1996, you were still a little ahead of that style. Was it difficult to find musicians to work with to be part of Cenotaph? Uh, I found them in 1994, late 93. Uh, it was uh, something between friendship uh, chambers, I found them, uh, friends. Uh, I mean, uh, there were one uh, advertise uh, that they were looking for uh, vocal for any dead trash bands. Then I uh, joined, went to Dorf rehearsal and our bass player was also there, but uh, it was another band. And I met with him at this rehearsal and I told him I want to form uh, my own band and which is uh, which will be brutal death metal uh, into bands like Broken Hope, uh, Creep Popsy, you know, all these sites, Application, Cannibal Corpse. So he joined the band uh, 1994. Then I found the guitar player. It was difficult to find guitar players. Uh, 
in uh, this kind of music because they were listening mostly uh, dead trash stuff, not much into such brutal or grinding, uh, grind, dead grind things. Uh, then we start rehearsal, rehearsals 1994 and uh, we released our first demo, Life Immortal 95, then uh, tape 96, our second uh, demo tape. After tape we uh, released, uh, we recorded with our own budget our first album, Volap uh, Just the Mist. Then we signed with uh, local uh, label Hammer Music from Istanbul. Then released, they released uh, this album as uh, tape and on CD. So it was their first uh, CD release uh, back then. So that was historic practice. Yeah, and, and not, not to skip ahead too far, but you mentioned Hammer Music and that that was the first CD release. I noticed yeah. that in 2017, you put out your latest album, Perverse Dehumanized Dysfunctions, again on Hammer Music. Yes, true. Uh, how, how did it come? Was that the first time you worked with them since all those years ago? Yes, true. Uh, after uh, all obviously, uh, means... Uh, Two years later, we released uh, our second album called uh, Pure Gentle Fluency. Uh, it gets it got more attention from worldwide scene. Uh, and uh, this album also released from Hammer Music. After that, uh, I moved from Turkey to Austria. I married with an Austrian woman. Uh, also, some uh, Senator members also moved uh, abroad. Uh, one is uh, our bass player still living in the U.S., Texas, uh, who played in the first two albums. And uh, later on, when I was at Austria, uh, 2003, we recorded our third album, Söderwermel Cadaverium, with another lineup only. Drummer was from the former members and me. Uh, then uh, we got offer from uh, United Battle Records and we decided to sign with them and since 2003 uh, we were not working with heaven music and later on 2017 uh, i uh, called them again and i said uh, we will record a new album are you gonna interest to release it and they said oh, of course sure and after all those years it was cool to be back at home sometimes yeah, that, that's uh, that's an interesting story, man. And you know, again, not to jump ahead, but you did mention United Guttural put out the pseudo verminal cadaver uh, cadaverium, if I pronounce that right, um, yes. in, in two thousand three. Uh, and at that point, I mean, United Guttural to me seems very symbolic of that whole brutal death metal movement at the time. Uh, and they yes. put out so many classic albums. Uh, could you just t tell us a little bit about your relationship with United Guttural? I assume it was Rich Lipscomb from Flesh Grind that you were dealing with? Yes, uh, back uh, back in the days, back then, uh, we were in contact with Flesh Grind. Uh, we made uh, demo trading, uh, tape trading, CD trading, and uh, we knew those guys. And I was following underground scene well. And United Guttural was very well known, as you mentioned, out of Classic releases came out from this label. It's kind of uh, beginning of uh, US brutal death metal uh, 
genre maybe the scene uh, uh, so it was not difficult uh, to sign with them I just uh, talk uh, we were gonna record a new album are you guys gonna impress and they said sure then we signed for our third album with United Love so that's it yeah man and um, uh, so we're, we're kind of skipping around here but uh, you know you, you, you covered uh, Voluptuously Minced um, and that had an impact on the scene but uh, it seems like a lot of people went back and revisited that album when puked genital purulency arrived because that album seemed to kind of um, be like the, the, the perfect time, the perfect place in death metal. Because at that point in time when it was released, everything was going very fast, blasting, guttural vocals. And you guys really nailed it. Could you take us through the production uh, of, of Puke's Genital Purulency and the writing maybe? Like what, what were the influences and maybe some of, some of the studio uh, stories or things like that? Yeah, sure. Uh... After 96, uh, well, up to the we of course uh, we started uh, to send this album outside, uh, start uh, to get a lot of uh, other demos and CDs from other bands. We discovered a lot of other beautiful bands, especially at uh, Czech Republic, uh, US. At those times, there were pure dead crank bands at Czech Republic or. Uh, Balkans, you know, East Europe, I mean. Uh, we got a lot of stuff and demos, and also uh, we got uh, other genres uh, like gold grind, grindcore, uh, all those influences us a lot. When while we were writing Pure Gentle Pulancy, we just wanted to write something different from classic death grind or death metal, death metal album. We just uh, jammed those songs two years long at our rehearsal studio just to play them perfectly uh, about uh, three times a week we were re rehearsing those songs and uh, every riff choose uh, carefully like uh, that none heard before we just tried to uh, be original uh, and sick as possible and also guttural, brutal, as you mentioned. So uh, then uh, we went to a studio with our own budget again. Uh, I paid the first uh, recordings of Pure Gentle Currency. Then we went to Hammer Music, and but they said uh, the production was not it's very uh, chaotic uh, but later on we released this chaotic version of Puke Gentle Pulancy as uh, Repuked Pulancy uh, and then that day later uh, gave us some budget and booked us a better professional studio they sent us there to record we recorded uh, Puke Gentle Pulancy at Istanbul uh, like uh, it took like uh, one week uh, at those times, uh, you know, with uh, Tascam band recordings, there were no uh, bands like Cubase or Logic or the computer at those uh, years. So we recorded there and it's released from Hammer Music. Uh, a lot of funny stories also while writing process, uh, recording process. 
uh, once uh, we were at studio and half of my vocals gone because the uh, recorder guy pressed the wrong button and he deleted uh, most of the parts then I had to record them again also same shit happened uh, with bass player parts oh, uh, no. <laughs> he had to return to uh, go to his university on Monday uh, till he, he only took one week then guitar player uh, had to play his some of his parts so it was a little bit uh, chaotic recording uh, session but uh, we made it I think uh, the final uh, result we just heard after uh, one month later after we recorded it because uh, there were no internet at those times uh, and Istanbul and Ankara is between those cities like 600 kilometers and uh, when all production finishes they sent us the final uh, master series then we heard it and we said okay approved then we suddenly released uh, okay yeah and and um, that's released in uh, 1999 if I got it right uh, and actually uh, 98 I think uh, okay oh okay and you mentioned um, you know the lack of uh, internet and it took a little bit of time to hear the original I I remember um, I don't think I actually got got it and heard it until like 2000 probably a year or two later what was the um, the distribution like and and did it take a long time for you guys to hear a response back uh to to the reaction because i remember it had a very positive reaction in the underground scene at the time uh hammer music at those times did really well job to, to promote so cryptocurrency they even gave advertisements in big uh, uh, magazines like uh, terrorizers uh magazine uh, metal hammers and they also put one song uh, from this album, Verbalized Opinions, uh, in Nuclear Blast compilation uh, series, which Nuclear Blast uh, Records uh, giving this compilation CD free with every order. They pressed it about like uh, 10,000 copies, maybe, I don't know. So, with such promotions, with also some other uh, zines and uh, magazines, they give uh, advertisements for this uh, album and they spread it out over 10,000 flyers uh, so I think uh, without internet they uh, try to make make the best what they can do at those times and of course later uh, when uh, internet time started Napster free downloading uh, file sharing stuff uh, this album uh, spread it around uh, wide range road right uh, we got uh, the real feedbacks uh, we, as you said uh, two three years later and still some people uh, hearing this album first time and saying wow this uh, album is like a timeless i don't know <laughs> such, such reactions i am still getting from the uh, listeners sure sure uh, you know one of my uh, favorite um brutal death metal albums uh, fr- from from back in the day and uh you know a lot of people's i'm sure and you know also when we talk about um uh you know like we're in the late 90s now uh uh your first two albums have come out was there 
were there other bands catching on in the Turkish metal scene to brutish to to, to brutal death metal with guttural vocals, or were you still guys? Uh, were you guys still like standing out in that respect? Uh, at those years, uh, some also some other the albums released from uh, Hammer Music, but they were not uh, brutal death metal. They were uh, trash metals or death trash black metal albums. We were actually the first uh, brutal death metal release from them uh, after Pit Gentle Pullens after second album too. Later, uh, 2000s uh, uh, brutal, other brutal death metal bands, young bands uh, start to form in Turkey. Bands like Carnophage, uh, uh, Decimation, Decaying Purity, such names formed uh, later on. So we were the only band, Google uh, Death Metal bands at those times in Turkey. Yeah, and uh, quickly, you mentioned, just for the listeners, you mentioned Decimation. I believe that's uh, some of those guys play in Molested Divinity with you now, right? Yeah, Decimations uh, is a vocal Death Metal band from Ankara, and their guitar player and I formed uh, Molested Divinity together with him uh, since 2016 we are active. Uh, Decimation is playing uh, Sumerian mythological uh, uh, brutal concept, brutal death metal, very interesting. They also release albums from uh, Kamatos music from USA. Uh, I recommend this band. Uh, also Carnophage, we have technical brutal death metal from also same city Ankara, they are from. Uh, they are from Unique Needle Records, records and uh, we have Decaying uh, Purity from Istanbul. Uh, they are brutal death metal from uh, Severed Records. Also some uh, other cities like Izmir, Eskişehir, there are some other cities in Turkey also as well. Uh, there, there were bands uh, playing uh, slamming, brutal death metal slam, uh, such stuffs. But uh, uh, they just released a few demos and EPs, uh, nothing serious actually. Okay, so it sounds like there's uh, a pretty healthy scene of, of brutal death metal bands uh, since the early 2000s, but with Cenotaph in the late 90s, you know, the guttural vocals, you can't understand the lyrics, it's brutal, it's blasting. Was there ever, from maybe the, the older metal scene in Turkey, or the people who only knew the more thrash-influenced bands, people people who didn't understand Cenotaph, and people who who, um, who didn't want to support Cenotaph because they thought it was going away from what, what metal should be? Yes, uh, exactly. Very good question you ask. Uh, still, till now, uh, a lot of people uh, complain about uh, those guttural vocals because uh, I don't know. They want to understand the lyrics or follow the lyrics from the booklet, and they're saying, "Man, we don't understand any shit uh, from the <laughs> lyrics." Uh, I am giving them examples uh, of uh, suffocation, effigy of the forgotten, or cannibal corpse, or butchered or such examples, but they're uh, old-minded, I don't know, but uh, I am using, I try to explain them, I am using this uh, vocal as an instrument also in music, 
uh, I don't want to express every word uh, understandable. Uh, if I do it, uh, I can't give the real guttural, guttural brutality inside the music. If every word is very clearly understandable. So if you want to listen such bands, go and listen to classic uh, death, death metal bands. We are doing such vocals. Uh, I try to explain this and still uh, try to explain this uh, problem to people, but uh, some of them understand, understood what's going on. Uh, others are still uh, into. I can't explain a guy who's listening to trash metal or heavy metal uh, this kind of music. It's very difficult to, to explain uh, a person. Yeah, there's it's always like, going to be pushback there, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's like this. Yeah, you, you either get it or you don't. You know, it's uh, you know, you either you either know it or you don't, man. Um, but it sounds like there's been uh, a lot more bands that do get it, uh, you know, as of late in Turkey. You mentioned all of those bands, and, um, uh, you know, we know yeah, that yeah. you have a lot of other projects, too. Uh, we talked about Molested Divinity. Um, uh, Grotesque Ceremonium is another project, and I believe that's all you, right? Uh, the first uh, demo and the first album uh, I made as one man, one man band, but later on, People liked it and they uh, wanted for me to form a full band. They wanted to see this band Grotesque Ceremony in live as well. So since 2017, I have uh, live members in this band. Uh, drummer, second guitar player, bass player. We played six shows in Turkey. We just released our new album a uh, few weeks before, September, from Germany. Make break the records. Uh, it's old school uh, death metal, like uh, old incantation, winter, December, uh, Funebrarum, such wings, Demilich. If you guys uh, like old school death metal, check this. Yeah, that's uh, you. Have, by the way, you have um, you have band camps up uh, for for all of your bands. We noticed just for the listeners if they want to go support. And that latest uh, grotesque ceremonium, Sanctum of Demoniac Deviants, if I got it, 2020. Yes. Um, and also Molested Divinity just recently released Unearthing the Void on New Standard Elite this year, to, uh, right? Yes, right. Uh, this year I released two albums, yes. Grotesque Ceremonium and Molested Divinity, right. Yeah, and, and you know, you have a few different projects um, and and like you said, with grotesque ceremonium, people get a little bit more of an old school flavor. Uh, now, could you talk a little bit about vocals? Um, our a frequent guest of the show, friend of the show, Paulo Paguntalan. He's been in uh, Cop Premises. Uh, he he helps run P Two Records. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's from New York, but he wanted me to ask you about your vocal approach and how you developed your vocals. Uh, and I would ask that now because we've talked about cenotaph, which is more guttural. And in Grotesque Ceremonium and Molested Divinity, it almost sounds like you, you take more of like a throaty approach, you know? Like, so you want to talk about the different styles you can do and how you develop that uh, growing into it? Uh, at the rehearsal studios, I am trying uh, different vocal approach, different sounds. Even I uh, tried uh, black metal screams, it's just a studio for fun or... Uh, death metal, very old school death metal vocals like uh, uh, Gorgots or Morgoths 
like uh, Chuck Schubiner styles. I also try to do this kind of vocals. And Grotes Ceremonium is an old school death metal band, and I want to do uh, low uh, vocals like uh, Craig Kurtz from Bisma Incantation or, or Will Rahner style, maybe when he was in uh, Incantation. Uh, it's different approach because it's different type of music. It's old school death metal. I can't do their uh, low gutturals in his pants. I'm doing uh, low gutturals or a uh, little bit uh, high growth in mixing both in molested divinity. Also some gutural parts, also some understandable parts, uh, high vocals uh, in Seneca, the same. In some albums, only gutturals, and some I'm mixing not to be uh, total boring, not only doing full guttural. Some variations I try to do uh, in my bands. So in every album, it depends my mood uh, and my vocal approach, and depends on riffings of the songs and. Uh, the speeds and what kind of vibe and concept as this band that I'm uh, making vocal. It's uh, my vocals can change from uh, every project to every project. So I am trying to experiment in that uh, way in all my projects, my vocal style. Okay, and, and and you talk about the different Cenotaph albums, um, and some albums have kind of a different personality in terms of the sound, the vocals, and things like that. They're all pretty consistent as brutal death metal. Um, but uh, another question Paula wanted me to ask you is, since you're the only original member of Cenotaph that's consistent through all the releases, with the revolving door of members, how do you get a consistent trademark Cenotaph sound through through all the albums? Yeah, it's also a good question. Uh, the first uh, two items, Voluptuously uh, Minced, Minced and Puke Gentle, uh, the lineup were, were same. Uh, then later on, uh, those guys uh, left the band, uh, they got other priorities in life. So I wanted to continue this band. I knew the songs and our uh, style. I mean the formula, how to write cenotaph style briefings or ideas and compositions. And when I found the new members, the new members were also fan of cenotaph. They knew what we were doing in previous uh, two albums. And uh, I uh, <clears throat> tried to teach them some other uh, small details in Cenotaph, how we are writing, uh, what kind of riffing we are using, what kind of riffing we are not using in Cenotaph. Uh, composition side stuff, uh, it's like every new member I am uh, teaching the formula before we are starting to write something. The first uh, months or years the new members only play old songs uh, to get used to Cenotaph style before writing any new material. Uh, then uh, when they're uh, comfortable with bands and shows, uh, then we are uh, starting to write uh, 
songs at our rehearsal room or uh, we are doing home rehearsals face to face discuss drinking uh, smoking and discussion discussion for those riffs and compositions listening music together uh, talking about other bands about kind of ideas so every set of album is uh, creating becoming like this okay and and one uh, album in particular um, for our friend of the show and past guest Terrell from the band Thetis uh, asked us to ask you actually about um, putrescent infectious rabidity uh, uh, on severed records from 2010 your album in particular because that's the album where uh, Lily Gruber of Defeated Sanity performed drums um, yes true. and and also if I got I, I'm, I'm probably gonna mispronounce the man's name but your longtime guitarist from the 90s uh, Sehan. Jihan. Uh, Jihan. Okay, thank you. Jihan, um, yeah, he, he he joined the band when he was uh, 16 years old, very young. Uh, so I uh, uh, gave him the poison and uses <laughs> <laughs> uh, through those years, and he wrote it in three albums. So this guy uh, knew uh, what Santa ripping and compositions about. So okay. Yeah, it seems like it's part of his blood then, if you get him that young. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, well, it's it's an interesting album to me in the Cenotaph catalog because uh, he, you know, he performs all the guitar and bass duties, and then you have Lily Gruber on drums, who is, you know, like kind of a, a very esteemed uh, musician in the brutal death metal scene. Um, could you tell us a little bit about uh, working with Lily, your relationship with him, and and maybe the recording of that album and, and stuff like that? Uh, it's a little bit uh, long story. Uh, at 2009, 2010, uh, we made a Russian tour, uh, like uh, two weeks late from uh, from this uh, tour return. No, 2007 uh, Russia tour. We start to uh, write those uh, songs for present Infectious Baby songs, and we had another drummer back in then. But then we had some problems with drummer and he left. He doesn't want to write new stuff. He just wants to tour with old songs and it's a little bit weird. Anyway, I don't want to mention this, but uh, then uh, bass player uh, also was not uh, okay for new songs. I mean, uh, he was not a able to play them well how we wanted so we wanted to we just uh, kept writing uh, songs with Jihan and me later on uh, I met with uh, Lille Gruber they were looking for vocalists for Defeated Sanity uh, it was audition vocal audition uh, he sent me one song uh, then I uh, made some of my vocals uh, sent them back uh, the, from the album which they uh, recorded with later on uh, AJ Magana I forgot the album name uh, anyway we met with him and uh, we were talking through uh, MSN Messenger at those times we were MSN Messenger Windows MSN uh, we were writing with him and I, one day I asked him uh, 
Do you want to join? Uh, you want to play drums for Senator uh, Milayun? Those are the songs uh, I sent him. Uh, his father, Wolfgang, rest in peace. Uh, also told him this uh, latest thing uh, he spoke to me. Senator uh, is a good band man. A long time uh, they are doing this, and uh, I am proud if you play also in Senator. His father is saying to Lille, then uh, he also, of course, liked the songs. Uh, he practiced them like uh, three, four months, then uh, recorded them and sent them back to us, uh, those songs. We recorded on them guitars, bass and vocals in Turkey. And at the same year, uh, there were one there was one festival, Mountains of Death, at Switzerland. It's a brutal death metal opener festival. We played there. First time with uh, Lille. Uh, I sent Jihan to Germany uh, to make with Lille one week rehearsal before the show. Uh, I never uh, saw him before live. Lille never made rehearsal with him. When we go to stage and played all those uh, 10, 8 songs set lists, uh, Cool, perfect uh, memories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's that's awesome, and that's really uh, interesting to hear about Wolfgang um, uh, recognizing yeah. the Cenotaph legacy and en encouraging Lilla to, uh, to to participate. Yes, uh, it was also a honor for us uh, from Wolfgang to such stuff. Uh, he was a really amazing musician, in my opinion and plates in uh, killer albums, sounds of the more than, which is still my favorite, repeated album, other albums of the success. Uh, also, is a very inferior uh, person, like uh, he's like father and playing with his, in the same band with his son and they are playing brutal uh, death metal music. It's fucking cool. That's fucking cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I mentioned before Paulo Paguntalan, who's a friend of the show, he used to be in a band called Cop Premises from New York, and when Defeated Sanity toured the, the United States, I, I want to say maybe around 08 or 09, I could be off on the dates, uh, Paulo got to meet Wolfgang and, and Lilla, and, and he, uh, on several episodes for the listeners too, if you want to go back and hear Paulo tell the story of Wolfgang and Lilla, um, uh, and and the, the kind of the father son de brutal death metal band Paulo um, talked uh, at length about that and um, about Wolfgang's dedication to music and to participating in death metal with his son. It's a great story. Yes, amazing story. Uh, I definitely want to hear this uh, story too from those podcasts. Yeah, I'll send you a link when we're through. Absolutely, man. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. Wow. So, so I, you know, I didn't didn't think we were gonna go there, man. It's it's always uh, a great to talk about that and to give respect to Defeat Sanity and, and Wolfgang, one of our favorite bands um, yeah. here. But getting back to to Cenotaph now, uh, you know, I mentioned that you had new material out by uh, Grotesque Ceremonium and Molested Divinity in 2020. Uh, what's the status uh, status? Excuse me, with Cenotaph uh, and new Cenotaph material. Uh, we made uh, tours 2017, uh, 2018, and 19 three times Europe tours. Uh, after uh, 
Perverse Dehumanized, the latest album, uh, 2019. Uh, the lineup changed again. Uh, then I found members this time. Uh, I found drummer from Switzerland. He's not from Turkey. Also, guitar player from uh, French. France, uh, bass player from Turkey. And also, me, I'm living in Turkey right now. Ankara. And uh, we went with those guys uh, 2019 tour with uh, Gorgasm, Abnormality, Unburg, uh, for bands. This tour took about one month. And after the tour, uh, we start to write new material with those guys. Actually, we wrote like uh, eight, nine new songs, all the arrangements and stuff. Uh, we wrote like, uh, I mean, they were writing their ideas. I, I was writing uh, through Guitar Pro files, sending each other, you know, pool, file pool, uh, writing each other talking about uh, internet, about ideas and compositions. So we wrote uh, nine new songs for Cenotaph and the drums we're gonna record uh, in a couple of weeks. Later on, we will, uh, they will record guitars, we will record bass and vocals here at the same studio where we recorded Molested Trinity. At Ankara is a death house studio. We are very, uh, satisfied and happy with uh, the sound and results which is coming from this studio so we are playing uh, early 2021 or maybe uh, late spring uh, to release new Senate album it's almost ready you just have to record it awesome uh, okay and that that actually brings to, to my mind a question um, you know, you mentioned that you have the band spread out with members in uh, Switzerland, France. Uh, yes. you're, you're sending files back and forth on the Internet. Here you and yes. I are. I'm in New York. You're in Turkey. We're conducting an interview. Obviously, the Internet has made it a lot easier for underground death metal to promote That's itself. True. And and you sell things on Bandcamp. We all, you know, we all know that the Internet has made things a lot easier um, to promote music. But do you ever get nostalgic for the pre-internet era and when things were more obscure, just like on a personal level as a fan? Sure. Uh, for example, last week one of my friends uh, sent me uh, some CDs. We made like, uh, I am doing sometimes also CD trading with my friends or bands. And he wrote with his own uh, handwriting letters inside the uh, box. It was like a cool old school from the back, in, uh, back then underground feeling. Of course, I am uh, missing also. I am uh, when I'm getting from uh, uh, mails uh, from post some flyers inside the packages. Uh, it's really nostalgic stuff. Looking at flyers, uh, checking them, uh, reading old letters. I am missing uh, those parts. Uh, but also right now it's uh, more easy to promote your band through social media or internet, uh, but uh, of course 90s uh, old school times were different, uh, more tasty and cool I think. I still uh, miss those times. 
Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a balance, you know, because as as much as um we missed uh, some of the old tape trading and the snail mail, so to speak, and stuff yeah. like that, you know, I, I I myself am tempted to be very cynical, uh, but you know, we have to acknowledge that nowadays with social media and the internet, there are positives, there are things that have been enchanced and that sort of thing. Yeah, sure, sure. It made the world more smaller, global, uh, and it's. Uh, very easy right now to contact with uh, any band or talk about something with any band member from other bands or organize uh, tours or weeks together we exchange such stuff it's now more easier and uh, we are uh, of course using this opportunity as much as possible still to promote our bands which is cool um, yeah and you mentioned uh, the studio um, that you, uh, Deadhouse Studio, that you work out of now uh, with, with all the bands, it sounds like. Uh, was it, did you have difficulty in the 90s, uh, maybe with your demo or voluptuously minced, uh, finding a studio that could produce death metal the way you wanted? At uh, 90s, uh, we made uh, our first uh, recording and rehearsal studio with our own hands. Uh, like uh, community uh, three others uh, there were other death metal bands still there active suicide uh, we helped them to make their own studio the studio called uh, studio zoo uh, zoo sound uh, like we were the animals inside reversing <laughs> that's why it's the uh, name zoo so uh, we uh, rehearsed uh, first album and two gentle and also recorded third album at this studio. After this studio, uh, this studio were only extreme metal, only local extreme metal bands were doing rehearsals and recordings. It was like a meeting center with all musicians and talking, partying there. The studio uh, was not like only one room studio, it was like big flat in other rooms we were hanging, partying and in the rehearsal room. Uh, playing and listening music also and after this video closed uh, many years later uh, some kind of same studio opened uh, that house the owner is Ozan the name of the guy he was also playing in, in uh, death, death metal bands uh, he was bass player we helped him to uh, build his own studio with all sounds uh, isolations and every kind of stuff uh, helped him to uh, place the right things to do sound better in rehearsal also in recordings so we were right now hanging at that house studio it was also the same concept like zoo studio uh, hanging partying uh, rehearsing and recording at uh, this one studio it was like meeting uh, every weekend or uh, three times a week we were meeting there all the bands or other bands uh, uh, who are uh, rehearsing there uh, so it was uh, like follow-up from the studio zoo to that house i'm also uh, happy about the results and the sounds which ozan is doing uh, he developed himself well in those years, learned a lot from uh, recording technologies, analog, digital recordings, every kind of stuff. So, uh, 
we will record next center also at uh, that house studio, at the same studio, where grotesque ceremony and molesting people. Okay, sounds like a lot of history, a lot of local um, Turkish yeah, death, death metal history there. Yes, a lot of history. That's uh, right. Yeah, and now I read that you, um, I guess, organized uh, or, or, or founded the TRDM movement in 2006, uh, which had to do with organizing live shows and things for the Turkish brutal death metal scene. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. Uh, you remember uh, my space times, of course. <laughs> yes, were, yes. Uh, at those times, uh, there were... Uh, Communities like this, first I saw were New York death metal, mm -hmm. uh, community US death metal, I don't know, Chicago, New York death metal, uh, such uh, communities and bands, uh, they had such profile pages, and also Japanese death metal, UK death metal, German death metal, I also, uh, I also wanted to do Turkish death metal with our local bands who were into extreme music, Bulbul uh, death metal. So we opened this page, created this logo, uh, and then uh, we start to organize gigs under the TRDM Turkish death metal. Uh, only brutal death metal bands, no other music. <laughs> Hello, only brutal death metal. So uh, still, I am doing. Uh, such gigs, organizing such gigs, uh, also when bands uh, uh, sometimes coming from uh, Europe or US to Turkey, underground bands, they are contacted with me. I am trying to organize as much as possible. Right now also, it's not possible right now because of uh, uh, epidemic, pandemic, but uh, when things uh, will go normal, also I will uh, organize more gigs in Turkey. Yeah, now speaking of gigs, um, you know, we, we always hear of all these great, great uh, European like open air festivals. And in the United States, we have the Maryland Death Fest and New York Death Fest and Chicago Domination. And the list goes on. Are there any big festivals in Turkey for death metal? Uh, death metal festivals, uh, not, but uh, there, there were festivals. Uh, Actually, uh, rock nations or uh, such uh, under such names uh, they are organizing. Uh, such big names came to the uh, obituary, Cannibal Corpse, uh, Slayer, In Flames. I don't know such uh, major bands uh, came to Turkey to play shows uh, like uh, they were open air festivals like ten thousand people. And also, Cenotaph plays one of those festivals. Uh, you have a chance to play in front of 10,000 people, which is not uh, in Chibur for that metal. Uh, you have a chance uh, to reach new fans at, at uh, such big festivals. Uh, but uh, since a uh, few years, uh, the government uh, here uh, a little bit uh, pushing on uh, such open air festivals and events. Uh, they forbid uh, to that uh, alcohol uh, companies sponsored such big festivals. So festivals uh, have then have uh, no 
enough budget to bring such bands, so it's going a little bit slow right now about such open air festivals. Most of them, <coughs> since uh, two or three years, uh, underground gigs are going well, uh, like 100, 200 people underground gigs at uh, closed venues. Uh, going better, I think. But of course, uh, Turkish uh, metal scene uh, means those uh, open air festivals. We hope those times uh, come back. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think um, worldwide, we're all just hoping for shows to come back. As, as you said, with the um, the pandemic, uh, you know, it shut a lot of people's plans down. Did Did you actually have any plans um, specifically, like to tour or anything like that yes. this this year that were canceled? Yes, uh, two tours canceled. One was uh, Molested Divinity, the Europe tour. We just booked three weeks tour with uh, Abysmal Torment from Malta and uh, Molested Divinity. And Shizogen from uh, Ukraine, all were uh, brutal death metal bands. Uh, this tour cancelled. Also we booked uh, for Cenotaph, uh, US tour, East Coast tour with uh, Cenotaph, uh, Depulsed from uh, uh, Las Vegas and uh, from Texas, uh, Defiled Crypt. Uh, these two also cancelled. Uh, we hope to, it was it was supposed to be in June 2020, but uh, I hope for next year we will set this to again uh, and do it finally. Okay, and um, you know, talking about tours, uh, you know, even if uh, unfortunately we had to, we, we we all had to cancel a lot of shows this year. Um, getting to uh, a question, uh, James, one of our Patreon pledges uh, asked, he wanted to know what's your favorite show or tour you've ever done. So maybe we could just reminisce on some older um, shows. What's your favorite show uh, you've ever played, and then maybe like what's the best tour experience you've ever had? Uh. I think uh, one of the crazy, one of the most crazy uh, concert experience, uh, I think uh, uh, Obscene Extreme Festival we played last year. It was an amazing festival wow. with uh, thousands of uh, crazy people, fans, uh, amazing place. Uh, I never saw such thing before. We played uh, before. Uh, Maryland Dead Fest 2, uh, Brutal Assault 2, but Obscene Extreme is something different from all of them. Uh, it, has a, uh, it has its own atmosphere. Uh, you have to go and live it there. Uh, it's four days, five days. If you survive this <laughs> uh, huge party, <laughs> then you uh, non-stop for drinking, partying, because no one is sleeping at this festival, I think. <laughs> Is a really cool one. I think Obscene Extreme was one of the coolest festivals we ever played. Uh, about touring and farm, uh, I think touring with uh, Gorgasm guys always uh, cool and fun. We were like family. Uh, we played uh, like uh, 2017. So we made like uh, two times Europe tour 2018 and 19 with Gorgasm. And those guys uh, knows how to party and how to play, really <laughs> professional guys. So it's really cool. Also, touring at uh, Russia is also one of the 
great uh, experiences we had we toured there twice uh, the fans are really uh, different than at Europe or uh, US they are really hungry to global music uh, they can even mosh when you are at doing sound check uh, really powerful <laughs> fans going on at uh, Russia <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'd, I'd love to, I, I'd, I'd love to get anywhere. But that obscene extreme festival has always been a dream of mine yes. to go. Maybe one day, man. It sounds like it's everything. It lives up to the reputation. Yes, I uh, uh, advise everyone to go there. I recommend it. Really. You will never forget. Uh, once in a <laughs> lifetime, you have to do it. Yeah. Well, hopefully in the future things get a little bit more normal and uh, and we can we can meet up there, man, um, and drink a beer. And, and and talking about our Patreon play, we had one more Patreon question for you. I feel like we've already answered it, but just to acknowledge Andy Sung, our pledge, what was the Turkish scene like back in the 90s before social media came into the picture, and did you do any tape trading? You already talked a little bit about that and about the old-school Turkish scene, um, but the only thing I guess I would ask you is, you know, here, like here, I'm from, I'm from Long Island, New York. Um, you know, a friend gave me some flyers, and I kind of just started sending away for tapes, and that was it. Could you maybe, um, like, what was... The Turkish, uh, ex- the, the experience that you had growing up in Turkey, uh, t- trading tapes and getting into heavy metal. Are there is there anything about it that we wouldn't expect? Um, uh, like get like like in terms of maybe like the way your culture looks at heavy metal or anything like that. Yeah, sure. Uh, before uh, Senate up there, there, there were uh, bands, uh, of course, around uh, trash bands from Ankara, Darkface, uh, Hazy Hill. Uh, they were trash bands, uh, 80s trash uh, like uh, Crater Destruction, Long Hair Guys. Uh, they were uh, also pioneers in uh, our scene. Uh, just release demo tapes, maybe we can find them on the internet. Uh, it's really rare, obscure demos. Also from Istanbul, as I mentioned, there were bands like Disembolt. Disembolments, I'm not sure, Disembol or Disembolment, something like this. Also, Death Room, uh, Death Project from Bursa, another city. Such bands uh, were playing shows, uh, local shows at those times, yes, but it was really underground. Uh, I discovered most of them later, uh, 90s, 92s, uh, with the flyers or from the friends. Uh, recommendations so uh, it's like this uh, doing extreme music in Turkey uh, of course uh, our culture is nothing to this kind of stuff but the young generation here uh, is different than of course right now in internet times uh, back in the days uh, we were close community underground scene was small but uh, during those years, the uh, interest to extreme music and uh, such brutal music grew in Turkey a lot. A lot of uh, foreign bands came here and played. Also, it's uh, now, right now very easy to reach uh, extreme music through Spotify, YouTube, and any kind of digital platforms. So, the young generation is going strong here. And Extreme music is rising here. We have a lot of uh, cool bands 
check this out in the Spotify playlist, Turkish death metal scene when you write there, you can find a lot of interesting bands into grindcore, brutal death metal, black metal, doom, heavy metal, trash, a lot of punk. Okay, all right. That's a that's a solid advertisement for the Turkish uh, underground scene, um, if I ever heard one. And uh, Batu, we, we we thank you so much um, for your time, and we want to be respectful of your time. We know it's later in the day there than it is here. Um, maybe just before we close out, we always ask our guests if they could recommend one newer release and one older release by any artist you like. It doesn't have to be metal, but I have a feeling with you, it's going to be brutal. Uh, nowadays, I am uh, listening to uh, old school stuff, uh, not much uh, brutal death metal, because uh, a lot of uh, new releases coming out. Uh, the latest brutal death metal album which I liked is new, uh, Defeated Sanity. It's really cool. Also, the bands uh, from New Standard with uh, Records uh, release a lot of the brutal, guttural, love stuff, I'm following them. I am listening lately uh, bands like uh, Dismembers, Necrophobic, you know, old school, Scandinavian, Swedish death metal stuff. Late, uh, latest incantation I liked. Also new for Primitive Man, I like I like this kind of sludge, boom, yeah, stuff. Dark stuff. Yeah, that I really like uh, this album. Yeah, yeah, we had Ethan McCarthy of Primitive Man on the show a while back. Man, great band, amazing vocalist. Yeah, I uh, watched them first time at uh, Netherlands Dead Fest 2014. You we were there with Decimation and Santa. I watched their show late night. They played with the small uh, stage, but. Amazing atmosphere they are creating. Three-piece band, but kicking ass. I like this band. Yeah, yeah, and and I, you just you you kind of um you sparked one more qu- uh, quick question in my mind with your answer. Do you feel that in this day and age, with with the internet, everything is um uh the the it's so easy to record music and put it on the internet. There's so many slam bands. There's slam. Yes. There's is it is it like saturated now? And does it need to kind of um, uh, boil down a little bit? Uh, it, it depends on taste. Uh, you know, if you open uh, like a slam rock white channel, uh, I like this channel. We also release our videos from their music. Uh, we are also putting this channel, but. You can uh, get every day uh, 10, 20 crap release, uh, homemade recordings. Uh, I can't uh, listen such uh, stuff, just 10 seconds checking, then skipping. Uh, I'm not much into digital uh, recorded home uh, recording sounds. I prefer analog recording, uh, professional studio recorded albums. It's my uh, taste. Maybe I am old school. I don't know. <laughs> it depends on the uh, taste uh, from person to person. Different. Yeah, uh, you can't uh, do anything against it because it's very easy nowadays. Uh, every guy who buy bought uh, one uh, sound card, uh, downloaded great uh, software and a guitar can record at home uh, with his own. Uh, microphone do the lowest uh, guttural with uh, uh, digital uh, tricks you know but uh, of course uh, you can get uh, this uh, if it's real or fake uh, 
I always check the bands at uh, uh, live shows. Mm -hmm. If I like bands, uh, then later I'm checking how they are playing live. Are they playing the same like they record with an album or, uh, or not? So this is my criteria on this subject. That's, that's, that's smart to t test if they, have the, uh, if they have the chops outside of the studio. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, uh, forgive my pronunciation again. Batu Chaitan, if I said it correctly. Uh, of Cenotaph, Molested Divinity, Grotesque Ceremonium. The list goes on. Uh, we thank you for your time. And as I said before, uh, the new Molested Divinity, Unearthing the Void, available now, 2020, new standard elite. The new Grotesque Ceremonium, uh, Sanctum of Demoniac Deviance, uh, Neckbreaker Records, uh, 2020. And we're all posted up waiting uh, for the new Cenotaph that you said you guys are, are working on. Is there anything that I didn't plug or that you want to um, uh, promote right now? Uh, you mentioned all, uh, most of them. Uh, Grotesque Ceremonium also released as a LP. LP fans finally can order through Neckbreaker Records. Uh, Molested Community through New Standard Elite Records. If they want to support to band directly, they can check the, all our Bandcamp pages uh, on Facebook. They can find us, reach us. So uh, we are working on new Cenotaph material. Uh, hope you guys will enjoy it when we come out. It's really uh, cool read some compositions. Uh, I'm looking forward to release it next year early spring. We will see how it will go. So that's it uh, from me. Thank you very much for this interview and supporting. Yeah, uh, of course. No, thank you very much for your time. And, and as we always say to close out, any last words for fans of your music and listeners of the show? Thanks a lot for uh, checking my bands. Thank you for support. So, uh, really cool questions you guys asked. Also, the questions from uh, listeners and followers is uh, well chosen. I appreciate it about it. Thank you. Uh, hope to see you guys after this pandemic over uh, at tours. We hope to come to US again. We came last year with Molested Divinity. And uh, I hope uh, we will come there next year again and make huge party and tours. Thank you very much. <laughs> of oh, course, yeah. man. Well, if not the U.S., hopefully we'll meet up at Obscene Extreme one day. But thank yeah, you very much yeah. for your time, brother. And um, we'll, we'll be in touch with you as this episode uh, goes up in the next week or two, okay? Okay. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Have a thank good you. one, brother. Thank you for your time. Have a good night. Okay, that was our interview with Batu Chaitin of uh, Cenotaph and um, all of his other projects as we talked about and promoted throughout that interview. We thank him for his time. 
Uh, we thank our uh, former guests, listeners, and Patreon pledges for your contributions and um, questions to that interview, man. That was great talking to that guy. Very interesting. Yeah, man. He's got such a legacy. It's great hearing all those little details about the recording and stuff and also what it's like to do it back then and being 600 kilometers away from your studio and waiting you know, six weeks to just hear what the first take sounded like. Yeah, uh, interesting insight into the Turkish uh, metal experience, the Turkish underground scene and all that. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, very similar to the experience we all have worldwide with death metal, man. The guy's a lifer, uh, lover of brutal, de- brutal death metal in particular. I mean, he likes death metal, but brutal death metal is where it's at for that guy. And I got to respect it. Kind of, I kind of like a... Uh, an Adam Rotella esque purity to his his um his his musicality, man. He just wants that brutality, uh, and leave everything else um on the cutting room floor. You know what I'm saying, man? Right. He knows what he likes. Yeah, consistency, man. So shout to him, man. Um, now something something that's not consistent lately is uh our um or I should say Justin's attendance on the program. Um, so I'm going to divert to you, Tom. Hopefully you got something to recommend to me. I do, sir. Okay. Well, Justin owes me two now. Yeah, dude. He'll get them to you. It's in the mail. We're going to do a bonus episode with all Justin's backed up homework. My recommendation tonight. I'm going to step outside of the brutality for a bit and kind of get into the groove of things. Oh, all right. Going to touch some sludge metal. I, uh, I like to dip my, my big uncut toenail into every now and then. Oh, 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 God. I feel like sludge metal, if you play a sludge metal band, you, you probably neglect that. So, uh, And I'm all for that. Allegedly. You, you can live that life. So I'm bringing in Brain Oil, their demo from 2001, their first release. Now, Brain Oil from Oakland. Excellent sludge band. Yes. I went through this entire discography over the last week and a half. And I gotta say... It's an excellent sludge outfit. Their their latest album, escaping my mind right now, I think it was 2017, started to sound a little more of the old uh, OSDM sound. Mm, that, that's, uh, that's that's interesting there, like a sludge band from back in the day kind of veering more. I, I got to peep that, okay. But this I, demo is a good place to start. I feel like this band particularly, um, the vocal style, the shortness of the songs, the just get-to-it kind of attitude of this band um, it, it, it does go hand in hand with the OSTM stuff. So I think fans uh, that have been listening to those uh, maggot stomp releases, those fantastic tapes that they're ordering from Scott, would appreciate this kind of stuff. There is this dirty element. It's a three-piece that just m- murderous sound, but also not too serious. Like, this is desert riding music. It's not primitive man, like, get in the cave kind of, like, sludgy doom. It's got, got a groove. Got yeah. a little bit more of a groove to it. I hear you. Absolutely. So, like, a bit of that southern, like, I hate God kind of yeah. Louisiana sound. Um, but this is a great demo. This is just, um, you know, imagine putting out the, the first thing you put out is just going to tell tell a story, the, the prequel to the rest of the great releases you've got. So start here. I'm recommending Brain Oil in general. Um, but start with their 2001 demo. It's not on any streaming platforms, but it is on YouTube. So you can, uh, you know, put that on while you're uh, getting ready with your uh, your coffee in the morning. And then you can go to Spotify and whatever you use for the rest of them or uh, no, be cult as fuck. Don't, don't do that. Um, yeah, but no, but uh, the Spotify thing. No, uh, but seriously, uh, yeah, order this tape for $300 on Discogs instead. That's more DIY, right? Uh, Absolutely. But either way, this is a cool tape. Um, 
it, the idea that it's from 2001, it's a sludge band, it's from Oakland, makes me wonder where they sat with the power violence community uh, if they were playing shows with that kind of slap a ham records uh, scene uh, bands and, and that type of thing back then. I believe currently they're on Tank Crimes or have put out releases on Tank Crimes, and I think that kind of fits in with that. Adjacent. Like, yeah, that, definitely well, that, adjacent. that speaks yeah. to the power violence OSDM connection, too, because there there is a kind of a crossover there with bands and musicians and things. Yeah, absolutely. So go check this out. Brain Oil's 2001 Demo. So thick, and the yeah. guitars are so fuzzy. Love it. Will, are you uh, bringing in something for me now, sir? Yes. Um, to continue with this uh, international uh, buffet that I'm offering you of content today, I'm bringing you the uh, demo of a band that I'm going to mispronounce, uh, also keeping consistent with today's episode. Uh, I believe it's uh, Veriluola. V-E-R-I-L-U-O-L-A. It's... Uh, it's a band that's of Finnish and American uh, origin, apparently, um, with most of the music being handled, uh, guitar, bass, and drums by somebody named Santiri, with the vocals and some select other uh, jobs being attributed to by somebody named Declan. Uh, Declan, I don't know. But um, this is really cool stuff, man, and I had to take a minute to tell you about it today. I enjoyed this. It's on Bandcamp. It's their demo, and I look forward to seeing what they do in the future if there's a full-length album or an EP coming down the pipe. Um, it's it's black metal, but it's there's something very uh, um, emotional and melodic in there. Uh, something very classic in a way. Uh, it it, it remind there's there's some parts that even like reminded me in a way of dissection and that very melodic uh, old school death metal kind of black metal. Then there's other parts that are a little bit more uh, kind of frosty and Nordic uh, traditional black metal. But um, overall, there's just a really dark uh, atmosphere and atmosphere is the word here because uh, it's, it's not it's not just that kind of tremolo riffing constant blasting black metal that never lets up um, it, it goes a few different places and it does so with a very raw atmosphere raw production and I really enjoy it and um, it, it speaks also to I think like with the one guy doing most of the guitars bass and drums I believe the vocalist does a few guitar solos here and there uh, but for the most part, it's a very streamlined, streamlined vision, excuse me. And um, like I said, the kind of lighter, more atmospheric, dark parts really add a lot of flavor and character to this. I just had to recommend this because you guys know that I do enjoy black metal, but I'm not necessarily the black metal connoisseur. I don't keep on top of everything that's out. But I just happened to come across this on Bandcamp, and uh, I really, it's like I said, I really enjoyed it. Uh, not much else to say that. It's just it's got a lot of personality and a lot of drama. Drama's a good word for this, yeah. And you yeah. have been bringing in more black metal recently. It's getting cold out. Yeah. And it's I'm holed up in the house alone. It's pandemic season. Definitely cold. Also, uh, shout out to whoever who did this art. Yeah, the um, art is great. The logo is, is really interesting and asymmetric and just sits there on the artwork. I, I, yeah, the artwork was eye-catching, and um, 
Uh, the music to me just backed it up with kind of an original sound that draws heavily from uh, classic stylings that we all love, man. But there's something very original about this, too. And like I said, I enjoy sometimes when you have a one-man project or a project where one uh, or very few musicians are contributing to the writing. Sometimes you get, a, a very, like I said, a streamlined vision, man. So check this out. Um, you guys can make fun of me as I attempt to say Veriluola uh, one more time. That's V-E-R-I-L-U-O-L-A. They have a demo on Bandcamp. So it's been a while. Yeah, I was thinking since uh, Justin um, bailed on us today. No, shout out to Justin. He couldn't Unbelievable. Make it. I'm a little lonely. Uh, I mean, it's great to see you, Tom, and uh, I'm reunited once again with your uh, your dog, Dahlia, right here by my side in her dog-sized, uh, tailored uh, hoodie. But um, maybe, maybe, maybe play me a couple of voicemails just, just to keep me company. All right. Oh, good day, gents. It's Steve Tuck here. I'm calling you from New Zealand, actually. I'm standing here on my deck on a sunny Saturday afternoon, upside down, drinking a beer. And uh, I just listened to the episode with Cody from Afterbirth, and you guys were crying about how you never get anyone calling you, and you're getting a bit lonely. So I thought I'd give you a buzz, eh, and just see what's up. Um, some recommendations for you, fellas. So... Well, I've been listening to heaps of sludge lately, yeah. So, um, oh fuck, but good call on that Caustic Wounds recommendation, man. That was that's a fucking cracking album. Uh, recommendations: band from Sydney, Australia, called Mountain Wizard Death Cult. Check them out. I think they've got like a two-track EP. It's fucking pretty good. Uh, band from I think these fellas are from England. The air turned to acid. Fucking yeah, that's good shit. Uh, a band called The Canyon Observer, a band from New Zealand called Meth Drinker, you've probably heard of them. Uh, I've been listening to quite a bit of stuff from like the UK, um, sludge bands, and one of them that has fucking floated my boat is a band called Torpor, that's T-O-R-P-O-R, I think they've got a couple of albums out on Bandcamp. Uh, Chains to the Bottom of the Ocean, that's another band. You fellas recommended a while back a band called Ad Nauseam, fucking that's some good shit there. Uh, Body Void, Aerosol Jesus, uh, from Nottingham, I think, Aerosol Jesus, I've got a four-track album out, it's on Bandcamp, track it down, good fun. Uh, US band called Worry, I've got a few albums out, but one I'm really loving at the moment is called Wisdom Through Shame, it's fucking heavy. Um, oh, and fucking a band I really love from Melbourne, they're not super heavy, but they're really dark, brooding, fucking bleak atmosphere as a band called Sunder S-U-N-D-R and I think the album's called fuck I can't remember the first album's called The Canvas Sea and that's brilliant and their, and their latest album just came out yesterday so I thought I'd give them a shout out uh, yeah life is good down here in New Zealand fellas uh, we're COVID free went and saw Ulcerate a few weeks ago in Auckland and I just bought tickets to go and see them again tomorrow and 
Well, not tomorrow. So I booked tickets to go and see them in Wellington at the end of the year. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say was, um, J-Wall, I back you on the Every Time I Die references, mate. That's so fucking good to hear. You just sneak it in there and you give the boys some props. Fucking love some ETID. But anyway, uh, I will leave you in peace. I'm going to go and practice on my riffs, drink some beers. Uh, well, I say riffs, but I've only got one. Wow. Uh, Steve Tuck from New Zealand. Uh, uh, knowing already that I was lonely today when he left that voicemail a while back, shouting out Justin at the end and and leaving on the one joke. This the, I didn't know they made segues in New Zealand. He's a fucking professional. Yeah, that was professional. That was great. He ribbed us a little bit. He flexed, too. If you noticed, he was like, oh, yeah, no COVID in my country. I'm just going to go see uh, Ulcerate great twice this year. Yeah, I uh, haven't seen them once. And now you get to do it twice because this guy. Ah, you live on an island. It all doesn't right. count. All right. All right. Well, shout to him, man. That was a flexible voicemail. Or anyone else leaving a voicemail? <laughs> yeah. Also, a year's worth of recommendations. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If you like sludge, thank you for your bonus episode regarding UK sludge, sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, that was cool, man. Uh, and interesting because we did have our international episode today ongoing, and uh, we talked about Primitive Man a little bit with Batu. So that so so brings us right into the sludge conversation. So this guy was riding a Segway and didn't even know it—a time traveling Segway. Phenomenal, Steve. Thanks for calling in. Yeah. Uh, you have a lovely voice. Call in anytime. Shout to yeah, shout to him and all of our listeners in New Zealand. Hey, heavy hole boys. This is Ian from North Carolina. Um, I got a few for you. That uh, Curious Eternal Chamber. Uh, I've only heard the one song off of it, but it sounds crazy, like uh, like a mix of like second wave black metal with some more avant-garde sort of leanings, kind of like the Imperial Triumphant sort of explorative side. Um, I haven't heard you all talk about Suffering Hours EP Dwell. I thought that was like a killer 20-minute piece of music. Really cool um, as far as like maintaining a uh, sort of consistent musical theme. Um, And then just a couple other ones that I haven't heard you guys talk about that I think rock is like Gangastron's board up the house that I'm whipped ass and they're coming back so good time to throw them some love and then uh, finally uh, Curse second album it's like a Canadian hardcore band that, they got that song Head of Baptist whips ass anyway hope you all are doing well stay safe see you All right, Ian from North Carolina, man. Thank you for the recommendations. And um, if you want to, actually, we did bring up Genghis Tron briefly on what was. Um, I think we were talking. It, it was the um, what was it called? Chopcore? Chopcore? Not 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 break. Did we break, do it the breakcore episode? Yeah, or yeah, Was it something else? Uh, it was either that or we did one specifically about like drum machine type of bands. Oh right. Yeah. I think it was the breakcore. I think I brought it up because during the breakcore episode. I, I was just struggling to, to remain death metal in any way I could. <laughs> but yeah, Genghis Tron, great band. 
Um, around the time their first uh, demo, even, I think it was, it was really early on, like 04, 05, I want to say, Biolich did a, a show or two with them um, in New York City at the old Knitting Factory, man. That, yeah, really cool band, man. Um, nice guys from what I remember, too, man. So, yeah, definitely might have to pay more attention to them um, and check out the stuff you mentioned, man. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, check out Suffering Hour. Another yeah, another great band. Yeah. I am a well aware of Suffering Hour, just uh, one, of the, one of those bands that I never got to bring up. That's, and now we have Cody. Hey guys, what's up? It's Cody Hager, and I just uh, was finishing up my run, and I thought of something, so I was giving you guys a call. Um, could a songwriter start a band and be a part or a member of a band without actually playing an instrument? I know songwriting has a you know a lot of bands have used other people's songs or used an external songwriter, but could the songwriter actually curate a band? have a voice in, you know, the overall theme or vision of the band and write the songs for it without playing in it. You know, of course, they might not be part of a tour package or something like that, but just wanted to hear your guys' thoughts on it and if it would be too abstract or the music really wouldn't turn out right because you have too many uh, players and without the right investment in the band. Just wanted to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Discussion wow. piece. Wow, like that's this. interesting. And first of all, I owe... Cody Hager uh, a few apologies because I've said his name as Cody Hager uh, when he contributes Patreon questions you're from Long Island it's alright yeah I'm Long I being from Long Island is a blanket excuse to mispronounce <laughs> anything every time yeah. we're talking to someone that's not from Long Island I love the explanation that yeah. you give oh, you, I'm, I'm sorry if I pronounced I, this wrong but have you heard how I talk some people say tomato some people say tomato I say tomato it's, it doesn't make sense it's poetic but uh, to address the point that uh, Cody Hager brought up, I, you know, that's that's like, well, that's kind of like the boy band pop music format, right? You have some guy behind a desk somewhere writing all the music, and, and uh, you know, that's his job, and, and then, you know, these curated uh, pop musicians and people go out and do it, right? But to translate that to metal, there's definitely a precedent for that. Like, well, like, what about Metalocalypse, the cartoon um, show? Is that kind of like that? I, that's probably one of the closest examples I can think of. Yeah, because Brendan Small writes all that, and then he hired like Gene Hoagland and a yeah. few other guitar players. To, but I think he's in that band though when they did the live performances. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just thinking of like things that might exist in like similar or like you know I don't know. This is all speculation, but like the Ned Flanders band and the Ronald McDonalds like Max Sabbath thing yeah, well, and Baby Metal. Dude, come on, baby metal. That's got to be something like that. You don't that. think those three Japanese girls are writing those sweet breakdowns with dubstep in between? Well, if if I speculate that they aren't, it has nothing to do with the fact that they are women and Japanese. Fair enough. It has to do with the fact that they are a pop commodity, okay. a pop music commodity. Um, yeah, I mean, that's like a pop music thing. I think it can be done in metal. Uh, I, I joked um, on tour one time. I had a running joke that I actually have... Uh, a Corp Lacani style uh, folk metal band uh, called Riddle Maker. That I, but that was just a joke. I didn't actually do that or pursue that. that. That name is open too. I'm not married to that name. If someone wants to use that name and steal my idea, uh, I got a bunch of better ideas than that. But I think it could be done, especially if it's like a, you know, like a ghoul or a guar or uh, you know one of these bands, like even like a like a band like Imperial Triumphant, where they're wearing the masks and they have kind of an image like. 
I, you know, n- not to imply that any of those bands does that, but I think, uh, you know, as long as it's a band where there's some sort of like bigger um, pageantry or showmanship going yeah, the, on the with the live show, yeah. if it was just like a like a regular death metal band with four dudes and they were just playing, you know, like quote unquote regular metal, like there was no element of, of showmanship and like a stage show to it, it would be a little weird. Like some guy's just writing it in his house and he hires dudes to go out and play it on tour. And that, that's where it stops. I think that would be a little unusual. I heard this voicemail before we rolled on the show, and my first thought was Jason Becker, the guitar player, who I believe has, um, is it MS? Anyway, he was a fantastic guitar player, and now he's paralyzed. Mm. And um, he can't even talk, but his father, I believe, uh, programmed a, um, a, a kind of eye movement capturing software where he's able to write music like that. That's interesting. He was a phenomenal guitar player, and then, unfortunately, he's now he's in this Did he perform with a band I'd know or something? Yeah, so he played with Cacophony, which I, I'm not familiar with, but I've heard the name. Uh, he played with Marty Friedman. Uh, he played with David Lee Roth. He was one of those hired gun guitar players that was all over the scene back in the 80s and um, did a lot of, uh, of those tapes, the, the uh, tutorial tapes on VHS, that you'd be able to buy in Tower Records and stuff. Wow. Wow, that what what a So he's an extremely accomplished person who is dealing with something that's totally out of his control. Yeah, and, uh, that's, that's interesting because when you first when you first explained it I thought maybe it was like a teenage kid or you know like I didn't know it was somebody who had an established career yes as a guitarist and then then um was afflicted with that disease. That, yeah, okay, so, well, th- so that's an instance, that's an extreme instance. That's a very specific case. Yeah, um, um, and that, that's what I thought of because the guy still writes music and other people play it for him. Well, and, I mean, here you go, though. Dan Gargiulo of Artificial Brain um, writes, I, I mean, at this point, I don't know what the numbers, you know, you could say 90 to 100% of, of any given Artificial Brain album. I mean, the, the, the majority of the work. I'm, I don't right. want to discredit any of the other guys who contribute. You know, I don't want to... You know, so fact check me, but Dan Gargiulo does the uh, majority of the writing for Artificial Brain, always has, and that's with the two guitar parts that, that, that we're known for, for most of the band's existence. And again, I would have to crunch the numbers. I would even be willing to bet that there's a good chance that that, that Dan hasn't even performed at, at the vast majority of our shows. It's been other guitarists. Like, we have Oleg. Uh, Oleg and, you know, John has, has always been in the band since the beginning, and Oleg joined uh, a year or two in, and Oleg has kind of always been like the permanent, like Dan's not around, so I'm going to play the show, and now now he contributes too. But in a way, Artificial Brain kind of did that. Like it's it wasn't like we set out to just be one guy writing the music, and he doesn't come on the road or do anything. And Dan does come on the road. He's toured with Artificial Brain. He's played many shows with Artificial Brain. But there's also been instances where, like, Dan got home from a tour or whatever, like, you know, like a day before an Artificial Brain show, and because Oleg was available to, to rehearse with us in the weeks prior, Oleg played the show, and Dan watched us from the crowd and drank a beer. And there was never any ego issue, never any kind of, um, you know, this, like, like uh, personality clash over it or anything. You know, those guys, to, their, to Dan's credit, he never had any issues with that, and he, you know, he, he never had an ego about it. He was always able to just do it for the team. There was always, like, a teamwork kind of element with that, that part of it, and having a session guitarist or a fill-in member, uh, much the same way, like, Paula would fill in with me um, not being able to get into Canada. But So Artificial Brain has operated like that for, like, the majority of shows I think we've ever played. 
Um, but that was, again, out of necessity because Dan was in Revocation, a world-renowned touring global band. Uh, and he was on the road for, like, what, nine or ten months a year. So Artificial Brain, if we wanted to do anything, we would have had to do it that way. Right. Now, what Co- I feel like what Cody Hager is getting at is, like, some guy who just wants to write songs, he's a songwriter, is, is not interested in performing live or touring, mm-hmm. but wants to set up a successful venture that can do that. You know what? I think that that has happened, and we just don't really know about it. Well, and- one... I, there's one example I could give you. Sorry to interrupt, but I oh, know that oh. there's one that I know... I believe for a period of time, uh, one of the main uh, members of Rings of Saturn was uh, like focusing on the promotion and the merch and staying home while the other guys were out doing the touring, and he had like a session member filling in for him. Right. Yeah. That. Uh, I don't know. That band is controversial, and I don't even know. Like, I don't know the controversy. I just know that everyone hates that one guy, Lucas, for. Um, I think that was pretending the, to play guitar. I, I, or that might have been know. the guy. Like I listen, I um, I I'm, I don't listen to that band. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and try to engage in like knocking them or anything because I don't know them personally and I've never been invested in them enough to like be angered by them or have hate for them or whatever. It's just you know they're kind of like on that more tech, you know, tech death modern end of things that I don't follow as much. But I do remember we met a few of those guys one time. Um, in Florida while we were on tour and I think like the main guy was was staying home and handling merch and things like that while the rest of them were out performing for that period of time. So that's kind of like, that's kind of the situation and there's got to be examples of that, especially in this day and age where I mean, look at Pyrexia too. I filled in for Pyrexia and... Uh, there was there was a few shows here or there where Chris, the the one original member, the founding member, couldn't um, be at for whatever reason, and uh, you know there's so there's things like that that happen, but that none of what we're talking about is really like I think what Cody was getting at, where you have yeah, like these, these are closest yeah. instances. Also, one more shout out, which I I think is phenomenal, is Ripped to Shreds, Andrew Lee's fantastic death metal project. He has two lineups, depending on where he's playing. That's interesting. Yeah, he's got one out in uh, Taiwan and then in uh, California. That's how you do it, man. Yeah, that guy is industrious as fuck. Dude, if it was up to me, I would have like four artificial brains uh, spread out all over the world. Yeah, ready to go any given minute, but not going to happen. All right, so that's I think that's the best I could do, but that's interesting. We could have we could uh, evolve that into a whole bonus episode. Also, if anyone we... wants to call in and uh, tell us something we forgot or let us know, yeah, yeah, I, the, I'd the love voicemail. Voicemail is not just if you want to recommend music, go right ahead. But the voicemail is for stuff like this too. Uh, if if we if we if, if you caught us if you caught us out here on a research floor or a fact check, let us know, man. Okay, man. So uh, those voicemails, uh, thank you to everybody calling up. Um, uh, interesting points, interesting recommendations that we're going to take into account here on the Heavy Hole Podcast. Uh, shout to Justin, who did not join us this evening. Shout to uh, Batu from Cenotaph, who did join us this evening. Um, well, it was evening for him. It was afternoon for us. It's International Day. We, it's teamwork. we got to yeah. figure out. We're, we're overriding time. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's the time traveler's dilemma. I don't know. But... Um, uh, yeah, shout out to all the listeners, um, especially those of you on our Patreon uh, account uh, who are a Patreon pledge. Um, we're going to be doing this new Patreon tier, the Big Fish. Uh, in addition to now, everyone who's on Patreon now, you get one bon- bonus episode a month. If you're a Big Fish, you get two bonus episodes a month. Okay. Um, we're also going to be doing these videos. You might have seen the silly 
Will's unboxing a, a record video that's going around now. We're going to be doing those once a month, and if you're on the big fish tier, you get them a month early. Otherwise, you got to wait. And the big, the big bait I got for the big fish this month, we're doing a whole bunch of bonus episodes on Halloween weekend. We're going to be dropping them Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, in addition to our regular free weekly episode, and only the big fish are going to get them. Uh, are going to get these these bonus episodes in a timely fashion for Halloween. Everyone else will get them when we put them on on public mode, uh, you know, down the line when we're ready to at our at our whim and dismissal. But um, so uh, that that I think it's we're going to do ten dollars a month. You become a big fish on Patreon. We'll shout you out on the program. You get to ask the questions and answers like everyone on Patreon does, uh, and know a few of the guests a month before before everyone else does. Two bonus episodes a month. Uh, and, uh, of course, the, the videos a month early, man. And we might even come up with some other slick shit for you. So go check that out. We appreciate your support. And we're just trying to bring you um, the best and the most content we can for that. Get those wallets out. Yeah. So cough it up. Uh, go to head, but not not with the COVID thing. Actually, don't cough don't it cough up. Don't cough up yeah, anything. Just, just take money and send it to us. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, so com if you want to know about our Patreon um, or if you're just fast-forwarding past all this advertising bullshit and you just want to go to the Facebook, the Instagram, the, the Twitter, it's all there on, on heavyholepodcast.com. Working on merch, uh, all that crazy shit so you can look fresh out there. Shout out to all, uh, all of our um, listeners, uh, like I said. And um, I, I don't know, are we going to we gonna give this episode away today for like extra free because we're down somebody? or uh, We're only down one. <laughs>